Hey there out there. You are deeply tuned in right now, man, to the Real People Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Ginsberg. If it's your first time tuning in to the Real People Pod, welcome. We have a really good episode today. I think for many of you, this will be the first time you're tuning in, even though I beg and plead relentlessly and shamelessly on Instagram to listen, because my guest is relatively well-known, Joey Price, here in New York City at least, (laughs) former head of the Upright Citizens Brigade Training Center, registrar, um, house team member, comedian, host of the Beanball podcast, a podcast on baseball. Really good to catch up with Joey. I'm excited for you to hear the interview. As usual, my quick 30-second deep thought this week is around, well, first let's check in. So on the beginning of last week's episode, I announced that I was going deep in the woods five hours away uh, in Pennsylvania for my birthday so that I could detach, stay in a cabin, look at the stars, and just kind of, you know, wrap my mind around what I want out of my 32nd year. A few of you texted me and you were like, are you all right, dude? You okay? You're out there by yourself? Are you having fun? It was really great. It was very therapeutic. And I really enjoyed the experience. Didn't really enjoy my experience in Pennsylvania that much. You would think more people would be voting for Joe Biden. Uh, Every house is completely draped with giant flags that say Trump 2020. No more bullshit. Whatever that means, because I would say that one could argue that the bullshit's happening now over the last four years. So no more bullshit, sort of an oxymoron. Like reelecting the guy who's causing the bullshit will then somehow cause no bullshit. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm a little restless and irritable and discontented. There's a few reasons for that. One. One of my friends sadly passed away this week from COVID-19. It's not really funny, though. I use the funny voice, but um, wrapping my head around that, I think we all can get a little lax. Like, I've been lax with it, too. I mean, I'm, I'm still wearing the mask and sanitizing and stuff, but I, I had in my head kind of like, all right, I don't know, you know, it's like kind of like half regular world, half not, but it's still a thing, still can affect us. One thing I did notice, if you want to talk about deep thoughts, like when someone dies, you know, I did it too. You know, I posted like a memorial on Instagram and I don't have Facebook anymore, but a lot of people were sending me screenshots of all the nice things people were saying on his Facebook wall, you know, and I was like just thinking to myself, fuck, if I have to check Facebook after I die, if I'm still going to be this addicted to social media after I go to the great beyond, I mean, just, just, that's just so fucked. (laughs) I'm just fucking around. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So that was sad. And then Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, which I know, I know it all seems overwhelming, but look, I have some good news. My grandma's name is Ruth Ginsburg, and she's still alive. She turned 98 on Tuesday. Isn't that crazy? So happy birthday to my grandma. But no, the Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg was um, hard to process. Look, I know things can seem overwhelming sometimes and heavy. And I keep getting a lot of phone calls and texts from friends I've met over the years about, like, how do you – what do we do exactly? How do you handle the uh, external stress that's going on? And it all seems so hopeless. And I really came to some simple advice recently that I've been – you know, channeling within myself and articulating to everybody that I talk to is like, there's there's not a ton that we can do about this external existential threats, right? Like climate change, Trump being president forever, you know, the Supreme Court justice being conservative for the next hundred years. Like, I know it does seem overwhelming, but what we can really control and what we can really do about it is just work on ourselves, like work on our internal happiness, find peace and light from within and grow it and figure out what makes you happy. And how you contribute in a meaningful way to change, you know? I think the answers are sort of within. So if you if you look at it from that framework, uh, all the external stuff that's going on doesn't seem so heavy. So just work on yourself. Focus on yourself. I'm doing it. Trying to just, you know, be healthier, exercise, meditate, you know? And, and that makes me feel better about the world at large. Because at least, even though things are shitty, if you're focusing on yourself, you can participate in the dance in a more meaningful way. Like, you can, you can have joy. 
And I guess my 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 I guess it's a sixty second deep thought now. But what I want to leave you with is is a a quote that's helped me a lot. I think about it a lot. It's not an original quote, so I'm going to regurgitate it. But something to meditate on and think about is like, okay, sometimes when you're just in your problems. And, and you can't really see how you're going to get out of it. And it's like anxiety and stress and fear and depression. And, you know, it's just everything seems like this, like, darkness all around you. And you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Just have some faith that eventually um, you'll zoom out. And you'll see that that stuff all around you that you couldn't see your way out of is a cloud. And when you look at it from a, a zoomed out perspective, you'll see that there's a whole blue sky around you on the horizon. And once you can identify that these problems are a cloud, you can simply watch them float away, and then you have the whole blue sky to be excited about. And I, and I do think we'll get there um, as a culture, as a people, and uh, within ourselves. Just uh, think about the blue sky. So that's my deep thought this week. Let's get this thing. All right, let's get excited now. Joey Price is on the show today. Some of you may know Joey Price. He's an actor. He's a writer. He lives in Brooklyn, New York, which means he's super cool. He was a teacher at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater since 2015. He worked with the Registrar, and he'd been performing at UCB since 2012. At UCB, he was on the Herald Team's Graceland, The Enemy, Slam Ball, and Sleuth. He was a performer and a writer for the long-running UCB show, Everybody's Favorite Game Show, and he also produced and directed the public access TV show, Deep Space Live. Joey, he started his comedy career in San Francisco, writing and producing original pieces for Beards, 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 a theater company and sketch group Venture Tech, both of which had shows at SF Sketchfest. Joey hosts the podcast about baseball, The Beanball. He's been in a few commercials that he says are fine. I'm super excited that he's on the show. So without further ado, introducing my man, Joey Price. So, uh, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on the Real People podcast. You're, uh, you're my most um, well-known guest. Oh, yeah. And I'm famous. <laughs> you're UCB famous, though. Anybody that's ever taken a, a, a class through the UCB knows Joey. Yeah, I am, I am, uh, let's see, I'm like a, I would say a, a B minus level celebrity <laughs> in a really small circle of people. Well, it's funny because when I, when I started, when I started putting together this podcast, I was trying to figure out how I was going to get guests. And my thought was I would start with my friends and then from there people would see I had a catalog and then I'd be able to get like C and B level people. And then like, it would just build, right? Like the more yeah. I kind of worked my way up. And I was talking to the guy I write stand-up with, Daniel, and he was like, you know, if you reach out to, like, B, C, or D-level celebrities in New York City, he's like, I think everybody will say yes, because everybody's just kind of sitting around at home, and you were the first person that I thought of. Yeah, and again, <laughs> like, I am I would not say I'm a B, C, or D-level celebrity. I would say I am a B-minus-level celebrity for a very small group of people. <laughs> well, I'm included in that small group of people, man. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> And that's like, so, I mean, I'm, I, I guess like I wanted to start off and just ask, how, how are you doing? What are you up to? What's going I'm, on? Okay. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm doing okay. Uh, yeah. I'm, you know, I mean, I feel like, um, like what everyone's like normal right now is like pretty bad. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I would say like, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm doing better 
mm-hmm. than I was, you know, in like late March, most of April. Like right. I'm doing better than that. That was mm-hmm. uh, so like in that regard, I'm lucky. Right. I guess. But it's, yeah. I don't know. It's everything's bad. You know, usually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I asked that question with the uh, with the understanding that we all understand everything is it's over. The world is falling apart and everything is bad. Right. I just mean among the fire. Are you all right? You I'm all good? right. Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I'm still in New York. Nice. Uh, I'm working like twice a week. Uh, my wife is working a lot. So like we're lucky in that regard. Well, I, I was, I was, yeah, I was wondering how you were doing in general, but I really meant more about like how you're doing in terms of like baseball because it's kind of weird now to watch it. Right? Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. I enjoy it. Uh, it's really it is kind of strange to watch it right now, but yeah, in a kind of entertaining way too. Um, and honestly, it, it, this is the case with baseball and any kind of the basketball. I've been watching tennis. Like it's just kind of nice to have that to watch, right? Right. Uh, as a as a thing, at least to do and talk about. Are you? really into baseball though i mean you have a baseball podcast yeah the beanball right is the it beanball, is this something yeah. you like live or and breathe uh i would say i spend a decent amount of my energy on it hmm. um but i i wouldn't say that like i'm like crazy i don't know i it, it's definitely like uh it's like hmm let me think yeah. Here we go. Okay. So here's yeah. like the things I care about the most, right? This, 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 this is the que- the answer I was trying to get to. I was, I was, <laughs> yeah. It was it was a guise of baseball to say, what do you care about the most? Yeah. Joey? Okay. Yeah. So well, here are the things, things I care about the most. Yeah. Uh, in no particular order. Right. Okay. Because I'd hate sure. to have to do that. But my not wife. A, not a list. Yeah. My wife, obviously. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, my dog. Oh. Um, uh, baseball. <laughs> uh, board games. Oh. and um i i i mean like friends i guess right friends sure <laughs> uh, yeah uh, yeah my, you my know. general relationships outside of uh my wife <laughs> um yeah so i mean baseball's on that list but i i think it's like it's a fun um kind of thing to just like put focus on a little bit that's maybe a distraction right now in a good mm. way well, I mean, we have, uh, you know, on that list, like my my list, would, it would I like I oppose many of the things on that list. Not that I'm opposed to your general friends or your wife uh, who I've never met. But like, uh, you know, I was never into sports or baseball and I hate board games. I'm sorry, yeah, Joey. I heard you come <laughs> after board games on one of your uh, I listened to an intro of your episode where you talked about board games. Oh, really? And it, it did. It kind of felt like a personal attack. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I did that just so you would hear it and know that when we had this conversation, we could talk about that. I'm just not a board game guy. And, or, and all right, let me zoom. Let me back up a second. Like growing up, my dad was the biggest fan of sports that possibly could ever exist. Like mm-hmm. he's the biggest Met fan of all time. And when the Yankees would lose, he would hang up on our garage, the New York Post or the uh, Daily News, whatever those papers were, of like the headline of the Yankees losing, not even the Mets winning. That's uh. terrific. <laughs> and and I will say like as a I think if you're a, like a non Yankees baseball fan, right, yeah. if you don't if you if you root for any team other than the Yankees, like all fans feel the way your dad does, <laughs> unless they're a Yankees fan. 
uh, you know, and 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 that's great to hear. I mean, I I I think he did kind of, uh, you know, he he was a leader in the movement in that way. But it was really all he cared about, and he loved games too. So you you should have been uh, my dad's son. There you go. And my dad <laughs> loved baseball. I I he loves baseball. He really okay. really loves it. Uh, but he hates games. Does not oh. like games at all. And my mom does a little bit. My mom does. So I think that's where I got it from. But yeah, growing up, like I didn't play a ton of games. Yeah. We played like a little bit of them, but not like a ton. And then I don't know, at some point in like late college, I want to say uh, when like newer games started coming out. Yeah, uh, I just started getting into them. Newer games, so you don't you don't, <laughs> you don't stick to the classics like the the Monopoly, right? And the yeah, shoots and ladders. <laughs> yeah, don't do those. I don't do those. So, are you like a Warhammer guy? No, I don't really. Yeah, I don't do Warhammer. Okay, anything too much. that's it's too much. There's a lot going on. I'm not yeah. like also like anything where it's like, yeah, you gotta you gotta paint your miniatures. It's like, no, thank you. Um, that's the last <laughs> yeah, thing I want to do. Too too much. Yeah, you don't want to construct the world. You just want to participate. <laughs> right, in Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, the reason I'm asking these questions is I'm just trying to get a sense of who you are and how you I noticed on that list you left off comedy. <laughs> yeah, I, that is interesting, isn't it? And I actually uh, thought about that as I was saying it. <laughs> um, I was like, I wonder if that's which, it's like, and there's one thing I hate, and that's improv and no, comedy. It's like you're a Scrooge figure now. I, I think I've become I think the I, I caught improv. I mean, improv definitely obviously would have been on that list. Um, February. Yeah, maybe. Uh I I was going to say like, like, like from 2011 to like 2017, it was like top three, you know, it was like wife, dog, improv, I would say. Interesting. And, um, and I still obviously like, love doing it and I still really, really like teaching it. Well, do I, I, well, I, I guess I say this all with like, I still loved doing it. And loved teaching it as of February this year, right? right. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I I I I think since quarantine has started and uh, a bunch of stuff has gone down a little bit at UCB, I've just kind of become more and more jaded by the whole thing too, which I yeah. maybe was already starting to be prior to this all anyway. You know, um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing because I I felt like um the the UCB like community like uh, first of all you were kind of like I mean just as a side note we're kind of living like a, in, in some way like sort of my dream because like uh, I always wanted to like be like on a Herald team on a Friday night as you know I've I've told you this and made jokes about it when you were my teacher in class <laughs> yeah um, the only thing you wanted to do was audition. get audition and not get on basically. <laughs> I guess you said audition. I guess you Which just I said did audition. successfully. I wanted to. I, I wanted to audition and not get on. We could talk about that. But uh, you know, I mean, like growing up, like um, I used to take the train into the city when I was like sixteen because I grew up in Jersey, and I would go just to see the UCB shows. And I, I thought it was the coolest thing, like the most, like uh, like the the one mind sort of like like back when there was UCB, like the Beast Theater, and uh-huh. there'd be all those people kind of hanging around, drinking wine, and like this like kind of magical thing seemed like it happened on stage where everybody was like of the same mind. And I was like, I must be a part of this. Yeah. And, um, and so like, you know, when I first took the courses there in the training center back in like 2012, uh, like my first teacher was someone named Abra Tabak, who I'm not sure is around anymore. Sure. And, um, She's great. 
yeah, she was super funny. I learned so much from her and I, I just like kind of fell in love with it. And I was on like the, the, the indie teams and all that. And then I moved out to San Francisco for a few years. I'm giving you this all as background, just so you know how you fit in the picture. And when I was out there, I did improv with a group called end games. Sure. I, I just, know them. You do. Yeah. I, I've taught, uh, like a workshop with them, I think. Oh. Yeah, I have. And I, I've done shows with them because I used to live in San Francisco, too. Oh, really? And yeah. And so like that endgame started right around the time I left San Francisco. Like, I think they started in 2010, wow. maybe. And I left in 2011. And there was nothing like that when I was there. Um, right. And I almost part of me is like, oh, I wish I'd known about that before I left. Like I might've gotten involved and maybe not moved to New York. Who knows? Not the yeah. best. Not, I mean, I'm very glad I moved to New York. Um, right. But uh, uh, yeah, they're great. That's a, it's, it's a cool place. It, no, it totally is. And, and yeah. it's kind of like you touched on though in San Francisco, I felt like, and so are you from there by the way? Or are you from, I here? grew up, I, I'm from California. I grew up in San okay. Diego and then I moved to San Francisco for college okay. and I stayed there after college and then I moved here. Gotcha. Yeah, I I was just like I always wanted to live in San Francisco. When I got there, I was a bit um, <laughs> disturbed that it didn't seem like there was an outlet for like what I thought would be a rich and thriving comedy scene. Like there was no, there was stand up, but it was like not like it is here. Um, it was more like it seemed like it was more like an exercise in learning how to public speak more yeah. more so than people doing. And maybe this is a jade. I don't mean to offend people, but that's just how it seemed. And even with improv, it was just kind of like. I don't know. I just didn't get the sense that anybody was like, I'd like to do this for with my my whole life. And I, I had this idea that I would come back to New York and I would just like take all the UCB classes again because they all expire. And then I would I would get that audition to be on a Lloyd team and I would get rejected. And then I would turn on UCB and start my own improv theater. You know, that was my dream. <laughs> uh huh. Well, you can still live it. <laughs> but um, you had, you know, I used to see someone like you who was teaching there, who was like on a team, who was like uh, well respected in the community. And I was like, this is like seriously like my my dream did it feel that way to you i it was it yeah i mean uh getting like yeah i i moved to new york specifically to do ucb stuff right right and so like to get on a team and then like stay on a team and be and perform with really fun people and perform like on a weekly basis in front of a great crowd and then eventually get to start teaching like it all it all went like absolutely better than i thought it would have you know what i right. mean better than i would have imagined it when i i i feel like in general i have like a pretty realistic like uh uh mindset when it comes to this kind of stuff and i don't i like rejection for me like doesn't bother me that much mainly because i lack a certain ambition anyway <laughs> um i knew uh, it i knew it yeah but uh <laughs> um so uh yeah but anyway yeah it was great i i i i'm very very happy for the time that i uh uh spent there especially like when i was really living in it like it was super super fun and yeah 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 i mean and now that it's like absent, do you, I mean, I feel like that's a vacuum for improv and comedy in New York city in general, you know what I mean? And do you imagine that you will go back into that world? Are there, are there talks amongst you, like the people that were super involved of, of uh, bringing it back? Or is that, I don't, you can't... I don't know. Yeah. I think that like, you know, the, to not get like too in the weeds of the details here. Right. Right. right, right. Uh, like, the UCB at 
as of a few years ago, felt like they were really kind of like putting new the New York community on the sidelines a little bit. And, right. and they kind of, they never, they would always deny that. And, and maybe that is like us reading into it or something like that. And, and I do imagine the cost of doing business in New York is extraordinarily high. Sure. Um, but uh, it just kind of felt more and more like that was the case. And then when they decided, you know, amidst, the pandemic and everything to lay everybody off and to close everything permanently. Like not, we're not going to reopening these facilities, et cetera. I think for a lot of people, it was just kind of like, okay, I think that's it. Right. Yeah. I think like, they're not going to come back, even though maybe they like would like to, there's just no, it just seems so impossible that that's going to happen. Um, Jeez. And so I know, sorry to bring the mood down. Right. No, no, not, and, not, no, no, no. I, I have a, I have a thought on that. Sure. And um, and so it's possible that in its ashes, something will come out of it. But I I just think there's so many like unknowns right now with everything. And I just don't think that improv comedy is like the most. Is the number one thing on a lot of people's minds to like get back up. Mm. (laughs) I, I think that there are other forms of entertainment that are, I think like in general performance, live performances, music, theater, I think those kinds of things like are going to have some sort of priority to start seeing at a certain point, Mm -hmm. um, stand up probably even. Um, but I think like for the amount of work versus like, uh, ability to like i don't know make money and things like that i just don't i just don't think it's going to be a priority for anyone yeah i I, and i i hear what you're saying of course and that of course like obviously with this the situation it's like what are the things i need to do today well i need to feed my family i need to find a way to like you know pay rent i need to uh you know hope my my business doesn't go out of business and i really need to find a way to to make sure i see a long form improvised uh (laughs) sketch you know i I get that that probably seems at the bottom but at the same time, like the thought I've been having, and I kind of wanted your opinion on this, somebody who's a professional in the world, like, don't you think, this is kind of a leading question, but like, don't you think that that improv is actually best suited to return in this world? Because I feel like when you're thinking about transferring things to outdoors, like I've been thinking about this a lot lately, because I, I mainly do stand up. Um, I dabbled in improv. I, I wanted to be a part of the improv world, but I, I never, you know, I just always was sidetracked, but I, I do do stand up and I'm like, how can this how can I get back to doing this all the time and what benefit would it have? And like, to me, like those areas, like, could you imagine going to like, I don't know, Washington square park or some park and being like, Hey, everybody, we need a suggestion from the audience. And I feel like, like there's a, there's actually like a, a framework to do an outdoor thing. It would translate really nicely. Like I know it's not in everybody's brain, but wouldn't it be a fit? I guess. Yeah. But I don't see it being any more of a fit than like a stand up show. Yeah. That is also outside, right? And both, I think, would be like, yeah, like who, if you're in the park and you're sitting around, like, I, I imagine uh, kind of. <laughs> I don't, uh, the last, <laughs> if we're talking about like a surprise, yeah. like thing, right, happening, I don't want to be involved with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not asking you to join my improv theater. <laughs> not, that's no, not no, I, just... know, I know, I know. <laughs> So let me ask you a question. What if you were the star of a pop-up uh, improv show? <laughs> I, I think more so I'm just thinking like 
the origins of this type of stuff were Elizabethan in some way, like they were Shakespearean, right? Like, 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 like I've heard that Dave Chappelle's mentor was famous for popping up in the park and doing stand up and drawing a huge crowd. Obviously, you have to be a special kind of individual to do something like that. But could you? I mean, like, I do kind of see a future where it's like, what if you created a group, told like, got an audience to show up, like you know, promoted it in some ways. And then you had an, an outdoor improv show, and then maybe people would just come watch because they saw something going on. Not, not so much yeah, a surprise. I, sure, sure. I, I mean, I think that, like, theoretically, yeah. But again, I, I don't know if there's – I mean, of course there is. But, like, I, I think for a lot of people right now – I just don't know how much of a, I, I think that like the people that were doing improv that are maybe still like interested in performance and things like that. I think they're prioritizing other things right now right. Uh, over improv uh, that again, might still be in that kind of artistic lane, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, it's, I guess it's, it's just not something that I get what you're saying. I mean, it's like if you think about all the things that people used to do for entertainment around here, it's like, I guess improv comedy wasn't at the top of the list. Um, yeah, it, it, right. It wasn't at the top of the list, and but it was on the list. Right. Yeah. And right. but I think like I mean, we'll see because there are like the magnet is still, you know, they still have their theater. Hmm. The pit still has their theater. Right. So like eventually those places are going to reopen and try to you know, bring in crowds and, and, uh, uh, in some way or another. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I just think like the model of these kinds of places does, it seems like it doesn't work and there are a lot of problems with the model. Mm-hmm. And so what you're suggesting, what you're suggesting is actually like, uh good because it's different than how it how it has been run right? right um and and i think it would need something different in order for it to to last I, the, you know i wouldn't i don't know i wouldn't be shocked if i like never teach another improv class again oh that's it depressing would, man yeah. i know yeah it is like weird to think about but yeah. uh i i don't know i mean i i don't know what the interest is going to be like there's just all these unknowns Sure. I guess uh, there are. I mean, there's just a ton of unknowns just because of the existential threat to right. the world in general. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. It, it, COVID is like, you know, obviously the thing right now in a way, but like it, there's so much unknown that is going to, you know, show itself to be known in the next <laughs> few months that like, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't know. Well, okay. So then, let me ask you this question. And uh, so, if if you may never teach an improv class again or get on stage <laughs> and do a herald, what are uh, what are you thinking you're going to do? Like, are you uh, are you hoping? And I mean that not in like a how are you going to make something of yourself, man. I mean it more like uh, I, do you still you still want to be on stage? Don't I mean you're an actor, right? I, it, sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's something that I'm dealing with right now, just like trying to figure that out. I I will say that prior to this whole thing, I was considering like a career adjustment in some way or another anyway. Mm. And, uh, cause I enjoy acting. I enjoy performing, but I was getting less and less interested in pursuing it as a career. Right. Um, just not even after, not even because like 
I failed at it, although you could argue that I did, right? But more I, just I kind know. of like I I wasn't really interested in like the rat race of it, I guess. Yeah. And the, that continual pursuit. Yeah, the politics, just everything around it. I just yeah. kind of was like, ah, I don't know if I want to be like in that world in that way. Hmm. So I, you know, I, I, for a while I was thinking like, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to transition to some like different part of the, of the arts, like direction or production management or something like that, you know, yeah. development. Um, uh, but even that, but now it's like, well, does that make any sense at all? Right. After, mm-hmm. after like everything like this. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, 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 I imagine though, whatever I end up doing, and wherever that ends up being, I probably will find ways to like, if improv comes back and people are like, and there's little things and there's shows happening or things like that. I imagine that I'll try to like perform when I can, you right. know, but yeah. I, uh, cause I still obviously really like doing it and stuff like that. But I, I do think I'm just like at a point in my life, or maybe that's just like this week uh, <laughs> where, uh, where I don't really have much of, um, uh, desire to like pursue it as a career yeah yeah i guess i can understand that i mean i with everything going on and like i get it it's hard to well it's hard to see an avenue to do it right it's it's mm-hmm. hard to even see how i but i think like i do think though and i mean not to be optimistic overly optimistic about things um but i do think that though there will be like a forest through the trees type of scenario like it's not always going to be like i this, I, but, I, I, but, I agree 100 percent. yeah yeah um i just also think like when it you know improv is like really fun i really enjoy doing it yeah. i really like teaching it but you can't really like make a career out of that right. right they can't make a career doing improv you can make a career writing you can make a career doing stand-up even though that's like hard both of those are really <laughs> hard careers to do yeah. and like ter- ter- terrifying yeah right but like improvising you can't right you can make you can maybe like get connections and stuff through improv that lead to writing jobs or lead to acting jobs or things like that. Or like it might make you a better actor or a better writer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you are not going to like, yeah, I'm a professional improviser. Like I, there's a, maybe like, I don't know. Are are there three people in the country <laughs> that can say that, that like <laughs> they are just... that? <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know, though. Like, I, again, not to kind of push back and be like, let's be a bit more optimistic about it. But it's like if you think about like, you know, Second City in Chicago and like I just think of these big brands like these like yeah. traveling improv groups. Like, even though, yes. And, and not to say like I know like the UCB sort of is, I'm not I, I use elitist in like a, a this sounds cynical, but I don't mean it to be like that. Like they have their own idea about improv, but even something like short form, like whose line is it anyway style improv, you can't argue is like. It is it is embedded in like the American psyche and the consciousness of something people think is funny. I think that there's like there's probably room for like a big city to have a big branded improv theater troupe, something to disrupt it. You know what I mean? I, I think it, I think that that idea will probably never go away. But yeah, as a single individual, I, I can understand like how would I become a professional improviser? What does that even mean? You know what I mean? Right. I feel like you have to yeah. build it yourself with others, like yeah. improv. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You do, and then also like, and again. Uh, I don't know how much we really want to talk about this, but like the, the, these big places, Mm -hmm. second city, IO, UCB, 
they have shown themselves, especially in the wake of uh, the Black Lives Matter protests and things like that, right. to have real institutional problems. Right. And if the only way they ha- the I mean, IO is also done. UCB, who knows, right? Maybe it comes back in LA. I imagine Second City, just because it's kind of like the longest of these, I think they will come back, right? But like, they have to do some like major restructuring of how they run things if they want to come back um, successfully. And so I think the other thing is that like any new thing that comes out of this, like I said, is just going to have to like completely remodel what, uh, we come to kind of think of these places as there are some ones, there are some places around the country though, that I think like have been successful in the wake of, um, I don't know, like in the last few years, I feel like there's a place in Minneapolis called huge improv. Um, I think even end games a little bit like these places have improved upon what, uh, was like a place like UCB kind of figured out and they improved upon that model and, and made it a little bit more equitable um, for, for performers and and things like that. Uh, But I think there's, there's even more improvements that have to be made. Yeah. That, I mean, I can totally vibe with that. It makes sense. I mean, like I think just even zooming out from comedy and improv, the coronavirus in general has kind of shown that like the framework for a lot of things is kind of fucked. Like the, the, the systems are all, are, the, the framework for how we run a lot of different businesses and, and, and all the whole entire entertainment industry. It just seems yeah. like we all realize that like, Oh, this isn't really working for a lot of, a lot of systems aren't working for a lot of people. Yeah. So it makes sense that this is kind of grouped uh, under that. You know? Right. It a hundred percent is. It's a very like micro, micro, micro example of it. I mean, it's just, I mean, what we're talking about ultimately is just like capitalism. <laughs> um, and... So ultimately capitalism isn't working. <laughs> yeah. And it's bad. And, um, <laughs> uh we're paying the price for it yeah yeah well i mean hey i'm uh i'm optimistic though that like passionate and funny people like you can find a platform too uh, i i hope so too and and you know you too andrew you're a very funny guy um oh my god (laughs) i'm gonna gonna listen to that sound clip (laughs) um uh yeah so i i yeah i really hope that like good funny people who know what they're doing and want to improve upon everything, like do find ways to, you know, come up with, uh, uh, answers and figure out ways to build something. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, there was a little bit of time early on where I was like, Oh, maybe like, you know, I could be a part of something like that, et cetera, et cetera. I also think that like, you know, and again, we're talking of this is again like a, a micro example of of problems in in general. The cost of something like that in New York specifically is astronomical, and I just don't know how feasible it is. You know, as yeah. long as things are being run the way they are on a city wide level, um, yeah, I don't know. That makes sense. I mean, De Blasio, remember? <laughs> yeah, De Blasio. Yeah, resign. Uh, you just just resign, man. Yeah, no, I. I hear you, um, and I'm and, and when I do start the uh, the outdoor theater that you uh, you'll see online <laughs> that has thousands of attendees, of course, wearing masks, uh, distance in the park, you'll you can call me and I'll definitely uh, give you a slot. <laughs> hey, that'd be great, man. I appreciate it. You could be on the t- no, I'm just kidding. That day will never come. But um, <laughs> but 
Okay, but let's let's pivot then. Like we're kind of talking about the um we all understand that these are I, dark times and, and yeah, but, and I you know what, Andrew, I do want to apologize a little bit because I do feel like I'm being a little bit like no, doom no, and no. gloom about There's the no whole there's thing no reason too. to apologize, man. Like this is like what I want I mean, this is this you're not being doom and gloom. This is the reality of the world we live in right now. We're just talking about it. Yeah. Um I anticipated that we would have this type of conversation. So, yeah. Uh uh I don't think it's doom and gloom at all. I I feel um, optimistic as a, as a, as a passive observer, because I wasn't as embedded in it as you, you know what I mean? Like you were, mm-hmm. like I said, you were living, you were living out. I think a, a lot of kids, um, <laughs> <laughs> not that, I mean, I think we're the same age, but, but, but like a lot of, a lot of kids, uh, that go through UCB, like, which was kind of funny. Like when I had to, uh, go back to UCB cause all, all the courses expire, you know what I mean? Over, over mm-hmm. years. And it was like when I was like 30, I'm within a class like 18 year olds. And I was like, wow, I feel like a complete idiot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that, but that actually kind of quickly goes away. But um, it I does. Think- but even teaching sometimes, like I would have a class, I think towards maybe one of the last classes I taught was a 201 class where it really felt like every single student was like 18 to 20 years old. Yeah. And like, it was just like, all right, I like... <laughs> You're all nice. Like they were nice, good st- class, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, it, yeah, I I felt my age for sure. I, yeah, but uh, sure, of course, and of course, I can imagine that. But you're you're the teacher, right? Like, yeah, I mean, sure. Like, there is like a level. Yeah, there. That is, you're absolutely you can, right. You like, can have if a long gray one, beard and a monocle. Right. Like, you're the teacher. It doesn't matter right. how old you are, for for sure. But it's like. Uh, I so when I started like being in these courses, like anybody want to like practice? It's like, am I really gonna go hang out with a bunch of eighteen year olds? Like they're like I know. Fo- following me on Instagram. Um, but the reason, and I was like, oh, but then I is- also think about sorry. <laughs> I also think about you know, there's like plenty of people that took classes that are in their like seventies, sure. right? And like that's an even bigger jump for uh, 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 for them. Like they're they're you know the those people are like really putting themselves out there and it's a lot um, more brave too. Yeah. To do, yeah. to do it for sure. I, I respected the, uh, always respected the older people that, cause I was like, how old is he? We don't know. Is he in his thirties? Is he late twenties? Nobody knows. But if I was like clearly 72, like I, you know, I would be self-conscious and I really always admired those people that did that. But I, um, I said all that just because I do think that like people, people in the, um, I just like don't underestimate. I think like kids, going through that that circuit and going through the courses and going to the shows to get their requirements saw somebody like you and the people that you associated with on stage at the heralds and stuff and were like this is the fucking dream you know what i mean so yes um i i just think like it's hard what i meant by i'm looking at it passively on the outside is like obviously when you're in the mix of something like that it's like it's it's harder to see let that to, to feel that but i think for all of us i mean the people that ran the ucb as we perceived it which was I know not ultimately you and the people that you were you worked with, but um, to us, you guys were the rulers of the of the thing, and we were like, you know, these are I, we want to be like these people, and so that is kind of like it's just an inspiring thing that you did once. I'm confident that you guys will do it again. So. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. And like, you know, the the actual like people I got to perform with and people I got to teach with and like doing all these shows together, and yeah. I have so many like great memories of that, and I do really consider myself to be like incredibly lucky that i got to do it for so long yeah. and have such a fun time doing it and, um yeah 
and that's kind of where I was saying when I wanted to pivot uh, the conversation a little bit was just so, so yeah, so you got to do it for so long. You had all these experiences. I was hoping we could talk a little bit about, uh, and I had just written a note last night that I wanted to ask you about this, like some of your funniest moments. Like, can you remember like your funniest sketches or like funniest, <laughs> funniest things that popped out? And I know, and it's like, I know it's such like a variety show question. Like I, I don't really want my podcast to be like, so Joey, tell us about the time where you got the biggest laugh. But I, I did, I do really want to know. Cause like those, the great thing to me about improv obviously is that it's improv, but what, I think people don't realize is like this, like by playing the if they're if you're not involved with UCB, you don't understand how like long form you know rules and, and the game works. It's like the the stuff that's the funniest is what pops up out of the normalcy of just kind of playing along. And um, I, and I find that the surprising moments is just my personal opinion are like something comes out of your mouth and it clicks perfectly, and you're just like, oh, that was so so majestic in how that worked. And I wanted to know if you had any experiences that you like, like I'll never outdo that moment. That was so sure. Funny, you know? I mean, yeah, I uh, yeah, I'll be cur- like, I feel like retelling things that happen in an improv scene. Yeah, not uh, funny. <laughs> not funny. <laughs> yeah, it never so, that, works. so this guy's dressed like a uh, he's acting like he's a bumblebee, right? And he's running around. <laughs> and somebody says, Stay but, me. I I know, I know. But I'll try. I'll try here. This is a this is a an Close unexpected, your eyes if you're listening. An unexpected <laughs> fun question. Yeah. Um so let's see. I remember I remember like a few moments. There was one moment I was on my first team, and I think we it was called great we were called graceland that was the name of the team nice. and i think we we're at cage match and um which is like a like a one versus one team versus another team show right 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 i've seen um, it. yeah 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 just for the for the <laughs> oh, you, oh you mean for other people sorry i don't think yeah for the listener <laughs> yeah i forgot uh, I, I, I thought i forgot other people were gonna listen to this and i thought this was well just i don't know maybe they won't me. maybe just they'll to cut have, out that clip where you said you're fine they'll be like really this this guy's talking too much about uh, how how bad things are. We're not interested. Um, no, 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 never. Uh, so anyway, there was some scene where like we were in a teacher's lounge, right? Mm-hmm. And there was maybe an emergency at the school, and somebody had like a phone, the phone on the wall of the teacher's lounge ring, right? right. And went like ring, ring, like on the wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, a play, a person on my team, Jonas Gravis, a good friend of mine. She 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 like looked at the phone and she went the emergency phone right (laughs) and so then I picked up the phone and I said teachers lounge emergency phone (laughs) and like that got a big laugh and again it's like I don't know what is necessarily funny about that I guess it's that there is an emergency phone in the teachers lounge you know (laughs) Um, uh, but like that's maybe a lot I think that is like along what you're talking about which is a moment that is like it in the normalcy of this scene that just like goes along with it right yeah um uh, uh in a possibly surprising way so that's like a boring normal thing that got a big laugh yeah um and <laughs> then it's funny to me i'm still just sitting here laughing <laughs> The concept and of an emergency phone is funny. Yeah, it is funny. Concept of a teacher's lounge having an emergency phone. It's funny, right? Exactly. Uh, the the other one that this was more like a team thing. This one stands out to me, and I actually think I maybe tell this story in class about this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on. This is my team, the enemy, mm-hmm. and we were doing a group a group game, which is you know it involves every person on the team and um somebody just started it by being like i am a grape i am a grape and then like we 
all just did that. We just yeah. all were like walking around the stage, like kind of bouncing around, just being like, I am a grape. I am a grape <laughs> for a little while. Right. Yeah. You could argue maybe too long. I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, uh, when but it passes nothing, from funny to like, okay, okay. Yeah. But nothing else was really happening other yeah. than this, other than I am a grape. I am a grape. Yeah. And then suddenly someone was like, went to the back line and they started like being a rising sun, right? The sun rising. Ah. And I think they said like, I am the sun or something like that. <laughs> um, and then all of us grapes just like started screaming and shriveling and dying. Uh, <laughs> and that was it <laughs> and for like, again, another minute. It was just like, we were being tortured by this Ugh. son. And uh, that was the scene. That was the whole scene. There's nothing so else funny. other than that. That is like so, I mean, come on. I, I, that's what makes improv so great. That's so funny to me. Just I can even like visualize it. I, I, like, I think that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it was fun. It was a funny one. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, it's funny. Like, I can't remember. Like, obviously, I don't think I ever did a really, <laughs> really great scene. But uh, I, I remember watching the funniest scene I ever thought I ever saw. Um, and again, maybe this doesn't sound so funny like saying it out loud maybe you're right about that but i'm gonna try like uh it was actually right before the it was december like november i went to see a uh, harold knight and um one of my old teachers um bridget bridget uh-huh you know bridget yeah I forget, her, I forget her last name but holmes um, bridget holmes bridget holmes yeah 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 so she wasn't my teacher at the time but she was in this harold team and uh they did this sketch where it was and i, I just sticks out to me as like the funniest sketch i ever not sketch improvised sketch that i ever saw and they were on stage and like it's like parent teacher conferences and they all had to it was like they had to bring like baked goods. So it was like a PTA meeting kind of. So one guy took on the role of being like being like, uh, you know, judge, just just judging all the PTA participants. Like someone brought cookies. He's like, these are bad cookies. Like, look at the flavorless. Like, like, bad, you're a bad parent. You're a bad parent. And then like, you know, they, we went down the line and like judged every single person's uh you know, contribution to the PTA potluck or whatever. And then Bridget just out of, I guess they insulted whatever she brought. And she just out of nowhere flipped over the imaginary table of food and just screamed, nobody eats. And it was the funniest thing. <laughs> I it was just, the, I, I couldn't stop laughing about it all night. And it was like the funniest thing I ever, it's just one of those, ma it was a magic moment to me because um, it was just so unexpected, just so, popped up out of this really weird thing that was happening. And um, I don't know, to me, that's just like, I just feel like improv so great in that way because that, that stuff's not possible without a bunch of other people. Like it's the synergy on stage, like the, the like-minded sort of stuff that makes it so cool. I think in that way, probably similar to baseball, <laughs> you know, like oh, a really good transition. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, I mean, I was wondering if there's a, no, no, path, yeah, there, but, yeah. there, there is a little bit, I feel like, and I, and I also feel like, you know, there's like, uh, yeah, a synergy amongst the team. There's kind of like maybe different kinds of players like you might see in baseball, right? Um, uh, when it comes to improv, like there's there's different, not approaches that people have, but there are just like, I mean, that's definitely the case. But like, yeah. oh, this person is like just really funny. We can just let this person be funny. And like if they're having a good show, let's just like make sure that we let them be funny a bunch, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, maybe like without them worrying about the rules or anything like that. Hmm. And then there's people maybe that are more like kind of like quietly like making things work a little bit. Um, uh, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like you, you actually said to me once that like, you know, it's like it's so important to like be. Again, I'm not an expert on this at all, so just correct me if I'm wrong. But like, it's important to like be gifted in a scene. Like, you know, if if I'm really good at something and you give me the gift that allows me to do it, like, 
like, hey, uh, hey, Andrew, like, uh, you know, I, you know, uh, you're such a, a scary, dark executive. I hope you're not upset about this. You know, if you like label me or something like that mm-hmm. uh, to me, like just in the in the scene, I, I always felt lost until somebody did that. And then I was like, now I can be this this fucking character. You know what I mean? And like, right. Right. And, and it's not just a gift like um, just to make this point about about what at least the way I perceive improv, it's like it's not just the gift of, of being getting to do what you're good at in the scene, but it's like the way I felt connected to that is like, I'm going to get the chance to do what I love to do generally as a, as a being on the planet. Like they're going to, I like for this split second, I'm going to do the thing that makes me the most happy within the framework that these people have created and they've, they've allowed me to do it. And so like, I just thought that's like the kind of stuff that I, I was connected to. And I don't know if other people feel that way about uh, yeah, absolutely, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. I, I agree. And like, there's even this extra element where like you can some, if you, if you play with the same people for a long time, like, you know what each other are good at. Right. And so mm-hmm. like, not that you're like cheating or pre-planning anything or things like that, but it's like, Oh, I know that I could like give this premise to this person and they will like have a really fun time with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Is like an important part of it. And some people are just good at uh, just being normal, which is like, I think, really hard for me and some other people. Like, <laughs> that's really yeah. hard for me to just be normal. <laughs> I'm crazy. But it's like, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's like some people are really good at just being like, hey, like, I'm normal. You know, like, I, I don't, I, I always had to like shove down all the insane things going on inside of me to act like a normal person, both in improv and in life. So, see, I, I don't <laughs> think you're giving yourself enough credit about oh, for. Uh, Andrew because I agree with you that like that is hard for people that was always like the easiest thing for me mm-hmm. for whatever reason is kind of like playing the voice of reason and just kind of being myself yeah um but I think a lot of the times I the things that I thought you would do that were the funniest were like you playing pretty close to yourself yeah. and having like a just a kind some sort of weird funny reaction to something or like a one line, just kind of like thing that you would kind of throw away. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I, those were the times with you that I would always laugh the most. Ah, well, thanks, Joe. I appreciate that. And yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I always said that my goal was to make you laugh until you threw up. Um, yeah. So if, if we ever got the opportunity to do that, I would, uh, I would like to try that again. I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever saw you vomit. Yeah, you didn't. And uh, I would, <laughs> I would say like. I like you're funny, but I, I, no one has ever made me laugh so hard that I just throw up. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you're going to be the first, if I've never had that happen to me. Yeah. You really think that you're going to be the first, my dude? No, no, definitely not. I mean, come on. There's so many, uh, there's so many other people that might make that might make that happen. You know, go watch like old Steve Martin routine or something. Maybe you'll throw up. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, like I appreciate that though. I like, and like I said, I, I really miss doing it. Um, I had, a, I mean, a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind, do you, I'd love to keep talking. Cool. Do you, do you, so, do you, so is it just like, I know you as like this improv guy. Do you do other stuff? Do you do stand up? Are you stand up person? No, you don't do it. <laughs> I don't do it. Never really done it. I did it a little bit like in college ish. Yeah. Um, but mostly it was always like with, uh i maybe tried it like once or twice on my own yeah and i it was like fine um and then i had like a musical duo kind of thing with a buddy and we would do a few shows but that wasn't very long lasting i feel like i'm as i've as i've gotten older maybe but i think just in general like 
I don't know how good of like a stand-up joke writer I am, hmm. you know? Yeah. I like can maybe think of premises sometimes that I think are kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like turning those into like real punchy punchlines. I just don't know if I'm like that kind of comedy guy. Sure. Gotcha. So you kind of found your lane with uh, with improv. Improv, I mean. yeah. And I'll write too. Like I've done okay. some sketch and things like that. Um, or like, uh, you know, a full, fuller length show plays or things like that. I, I, I find oh. like that to be fun yeah. to do sometimes, but yeah, stand up I've never really, um, been, had, had a draw towards. Yeah. I, I, well, so, and then that makes me, so are you more of like, and I'm sorry, I don't even know this, but like, are you more of like a, like an actor, like a theater person, like, I, you, you know, I guess, yeah, I, like I definitely, okay. So I definitely was as a kid. Yeah. Like, loved doing theater as a kid, acted all the time, did a bunch of stuff when I was growing up. Then in college, I, that's what I studied. I, I kind of went to college not thinking I would study theater. And then I quickly was like, no, nah, I think that's what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so then I did some in college. But even by the end of college, I kind of was more interested in, like, writing and directing than I was in performing. Okay. Um. So then after college, I did more of that stuff, more writing, more producing, more performing, or sorry, more directing. Mm. Um, and I would perform occasionally like in a comedy, a sketch comedy group that I had. This is in San Francisco. Okay. Um, we would perform, we would write and perform stuff maybe like twice a year, you know, we'd cool. do something. So not that often. Right. Um, but I was doing more like producing and directing mm. stuff. Gotcha. Hey, and then when I and then I was like, okay, I think I would be, I think I'd have a lot of fun doing improv. I think when I kind of, I don't know why I thought that I maybe would go to improv shows like um, the UCB would do like Ass Cat in San Francisco oh, okay. and things like that. And um, going to those, I think I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I think I would have a fun time doing this. And so that's why I moved here to start doing that. Gotcha. So that was the kind of the, I would say when I moved to New York and I started doing improv and I was performing a lot was the most performing I had been doing in a long time. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't realize that you were kind of a behind the scenes person. I just wouldn't have got that from your personality, but that makes a lot of sense. You're a, you're a behind the scenes person. Yeah. Uh, like you were writing, I was, producing, directing. Writing, know? producing, directing. And then, yeah. And then I was like, I want to focus on performing. And I did that here yeah and then after a certain point a couple years ago i went i don't know (laughs) is this is is this for me (laughs) but again that's more that's not that i don't enjoy it i do really enjoy it and it's more like not um just not interested in like pursuing it as a career and dealing with all of it i think I totally, I can totally relate to that. And I totally understand. I, I like, even with, it's so hard, right? It's so daunting. Like even with, um, yeah, like, it's just funny. Like even I've taken sketch, a lot of sketch classes, not even just with UCB, like, like all over, even during isolation, I was, <laughs> I don't even call it quarantine. Cause I, I was literally alone for 12 weeks during that time. Oof. Um, which was fine. Like I didn't actually, I didn't hate it. Like it sounds worse. Were than you in, were you in the city? No. So actually like my direct neighbor, so I live in the city, but my neighbor next to me in the hall, knocked on my not she knocked on my door to tell me that she had had the virus like she was over it uh-huh. um and she was hospitalized and like almost died like one of those cases you know Jeez. and i didn't know so i was like and she was like i just want you to know that like that i've been all over this building and like i was like i seriously had the coronavirus and then um there's like old people in my building and i was like you know i'm gonna try to get out of here i don't know where i'm gonna go um and so i my buddy 
had an open he like had his apartment open because he was like away on a trip and he couldn't come back because everything started closing because i was able to go and just kind of crash there but then i wound up staying for like three months where was that in uh keyport new jersey close to where okay. i grew up close to where i grew up and it, it was nice because it was like on the beach so it wasn't like i was alone like i i I was isolated. I was alone, but I was also had like a beautiful view of like water. Sure. Like it wasn't bad. Sure. Of course. Um, But that's still hard. Yeah, it was. But during that time, that's when I was like, honestly, the most creative I've I've ever been. Mm -hmm. I was like, Mm -hmm. whoa, I don't know what I'm. I realized like without my life in New York that I was like, what am I even doing with my time? You know, I was like, uh, and then that's when I started. I started writing a lot. I wrote. So I took uh, I took some sketch class. During that time, I, I wrote a bazillion sketches and like I and that's when I started doing this podcast. And uh, and like I was I was really fired up. I realized when I if you took away everything else in my life that like I, I can actually be way more creative than I am day to day, which was like kind of a weird lesson that I took out of that. You know, it was like maybe I'm mm-hmm. wasting a lot of time in my daily life. Um, but the thing is, like with sketches and stuff, too, it's like I, I was really proud of some of them that I wrote. I was like, these are pretty funny. It's like. What do you what do you do with any of this shit? Like where's where's <laughs> where is it all going? Like it's like I it's know. like somebody in my class asked what I thought was the stupidest question. I mean, and no offense to anybody listening if, if you thought this to yourself, but like they 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 asked the teacher, so uh like when I want to submit my sketch to SNL, like how do I go around that route? It's like, dude, you're not you're not Lauren Michaels isn't going to look at your sketch. You know, but right, and it's like, right. okay, let's zoom out from there. Who is gonna look at this? Where do you start with all this stuff? Like stand-up, writing, sketches. I get it. I get what you're saying. It's like it, it's it's such a, a small rock you'd have to kick forward for it to like become an, a snowball and then an avalanche, you know? What I mean? Right, exactly. It's like, yeah, you gotta get like you have to get like an agent or a manager to like look at it and be like, Oh yeah, this is good. And then like maybe they'll start submitting you to like things you know that you can then submit your writing to or your audition to or things like that but it's like finding that representation that you like is hard and also like they then have to be interested in you enough to like (laughs) continue to like submit you for stuff it's just like yeah who knows yeah i know it's and that that in itself is like I think the overwhelming part of it is just like, okay, like, I don't even know. Is it even worth, like, who cares? You know, all, all, I'm, yeah. ultimately, <laughs> all I'm ultimately going to do is make everybody think I'm like a schmuck. That's kind of how my first perception is that kind of like imposter syndrome thing where I'm like, I'm going to show this people and they'll be like, that's cute, Andrew. And then it'll fizzle out. And it's like to see the end of the line where it's like, it's like on stage and there's people clapping is like, it's like, I don't know how you even, I don't even know where, especially in this time, it's like, I don't know how that's ever going to be possible. So what's the yeah. point? <laughs> uh absolutely yeah i i i feel that a little bit yeah all the time but uh yeah i mean there's ways right yeah. i mean i, I the, the thing that i um am like one of the more i don't know the thing that i'm really happy that i did at least like after college and things like that was just like try to do some stuff you yeah. know and just like put it up myself if i could and just like attempt to do it all on my own if that's like what needed to happen for me to like try it and i like did that a few times and it was a lot of work and things like that but it was also very satisfying Mm -hmm. um uh, of course i mean because you're you're i mean like i feel that way with um with stand-up is like you know i'm pretty good at it now in the sense in the sense where every time i do it i don't bomb you know what Mm -hmm. i mean still bomb sometimes but like can have at least five or 10 minutes that I can do that. I know won't bomb like tested. It works, you know, right. And it took a a lot of pain to get there, but uh, I like, even like the, um, like the, the first time I did it in San Francisco, um, 
I I like bombed so bad. It was like it was like you couldn't bomb. I don't think worse than I <laughs> like you couldn't bomb worse than I bombed. Like you know, it was like a a, a tourist. There was a bunch of tourists in the room, and they were like foreign, like not United States. And and I think like I'm. So George Bush or somebody, some politician had died that day. And I said something like I opened up my set with like George Bush died today. And I started laughing. And then I pointed to um, some like, you know, old white guy with white hair in the audience went, this guy knows what I'm talking about. And nobody, nobody laughed. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then from there, it was the worst set ever. But I remember I tell that story just because like that I, when I got off that stage, though, I was like truly satisfied that I had done like I, I felt like sure. with, all, with all my heart that that was the right thing to have done even though it was horrible and from there it can only, it can only get better right so yeah if, if, <laughs> absolutely I do think those moments are like incredibly important yeah for, for like growth you need to have those kinds of failing moments you also need to have like I think as a teacher I remember like being told that um when I was teaching or maybe being trained to teach or something like that like yeah that it's important to remember that like students learn a lot from learn just as much, if not more from their good scenes than they do from their bad scenes. Right. So like to make sure to like try to also make sure people are succeeding Mm. at the thing, instead of just like letting something be bad and then be like, here's why this didn't work. Mm. Also like they learn more from letting something be good too. Right. And then talking about why it did work. Um, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, I think those failure moments are incredibly important. And I think it's uh, ultimately like with doing improv or things like that, I feel like um, by practicing it, you're just trying to like raise your floor as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where like, uh, I might not always have high highs, but my lows will be a lot higher than they used to be. <laughs> you know like yeah. i like i'll kind of be able to be like all consistently i can do a fine scene mm-hmm. my the, the worst that i'll do is like perfectly okay right i think that that's like what a lot of the goal is with a lot of this stuff <laughs> yeah no i mean like the the i agreed like every time i do stand up i mean even no matter how good you get at it or like if no matter how good your material gets it's like Every time my goal is to just not completely fucking embarrass myself. That that's yeah. like the that's like the main goal. Uh, and then to, to to like occasionally hit it out of the park is like uh, I mean of course that's like an ecstasy type feeling that you want to yeah. keep going on. But it can't be the expectation. It's just kind of right. Like, I want to. It, it just this. can't. <laughs> and I think I think with with improv specifically compared to like stand up and sketch, um, the this idea of like having a great show, right. Mm. Having this like absolutely exceptional, just like, wow, how did they do it? Show is kind of lightning in a bottle in a way. And like, you're a a bad team is maybe just as likely to have one of those shows than a really great team. You know Mm. what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, I think that like, uh, those high highs are like so hard to get sometimes. And so just kind of lucky, that it's more luck based than anything else. But what separates a really great improviser from a bad improviser is that a really great improviser can consistently be good. Mm, yeah, that's that's that makes a lot of sense. And that that's that's pretty heavy, actually, because uh, when I think about when I was talking about earlier in the podcast, what I think is amazing about improv, the the lightning in a bottle scenario that you just described is what I think, you know, I'm like, that's what I would see, I think, or perceive to see when I was younger and be like, how did they do it? Like, yeah, all, sure. Yeah, they're all of well, the same mind. Yeah. You know? 
Uh, I, I think I, I think part of that though, Andrew, is just that like you started taking classes and you started going to more shows, yeah. and so you start to see the inner workings of how it is, right? right? I think like if if you took like a comedy-minded person who had never gone to an improv show before and you took them to a long-form show, even if it was like you might think, yeah, that was a good show. I enjoyed that show, right? Mm-hmm. They might be blown away by it just because they haven't really like experienced anything like it. Right, right, right. That's- and I think, I think just the more you do it, the more you teach it, the more you see it, you just start to be less impressed when by like a normal good show just because like it you've seen a lot of normal good shows before. Does right. that make sense? Of course it makes sense. Yeah, you yeah. see how the sausage is made. It's like yeah. uh, it's like Dwight Schrute says in the office. If you if you see how the sausage is made, then you'll want to make sausages all day because you're having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean that, that of course that does make sense. Uh, and uh I don't know, man. I've, I I uh, I hope that we can kind of get back there one day. Um, and I I hope that. Oh, you know, I did have one thing though. One one thing on this thought that I, I wanted to just ask real quickly, and it, it's kind of like a funny thought. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, when you're taking courses though, say you're, say you're doing a meet. I always wanted to ask my teachers this, and since we're in like kind of a, a post-apocalyptic world, I feel like I can ask you now. When a teacher says at UCB, "Wow, that," was, and I think somebody wrote a sketch about this that was on like SNL or something a few years ago, but it's like that was such a fun scene. You were really fun there. Does that mean that was bad? <laughs> it's like you, you just did a horrible job at that. I used to interpret it like he just told me I was fun. That can't be good. <laughs> um, oh, God, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I do feel like I would often like. Eh, uh, eh, yeah. yeah, I'd probably <laughs> usually say something like that yeah. for most scenes. Right. You know what I mean? Such a fun choice. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I I feel like I would if if I if a scene wasn't very good and I was going to note it, yeah. I usually be like, okay, yeah, like good, like good work, right? right? Is maybe how I'd start it or something like that, just to like be a little bit friendly and nice up top. I never it's, felt I was very mean. No, or anything of course like not. That. You were honestly. I'm not just saying this. You were the you were the best improv teacher ever. That's why you're the one I wanted to talk to the most. Well, thank you, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But I would usually be a little bit praiseful up top before kind of noting more specifically. Of course. Or I talk mean, about like the things that I think did work. Uh, yes. But I wouldn't necessarily like. I don't know. Like, if somebody didn't make a fun choice, I wouldn't arbitrarily say they made a fun choice. <laughs> okay. Does that make sense? It does. I, 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 I had always had this, like, secret <laughs> secret theory that when they're training you guys to be teachers in the in the book, they're like, all right, listen. So when you want to encourage these, these kids and they do something that's, like, not funny, just say, that was fun. That was a fun choice. You're a fun guy. No, uh, <laughs> I, I, they don't. Okay. I actually think the opposite is true. I think that it's in some part of the curriculum or somewhere there was a thing that said like hey if something wasn't good don't tell them it was good (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, but i i I would say i did not follow that rule most of the time if something wasn't good i would usually still be a little bit supportive of it short of like it being there being like something problematic about it right um but like if it was just like an unfunny thing i'd probably be a little bit supportive of it up top and then be like okay but here's the improvements gotcha no and you definitely did do that which is what made you such a fabulous teacher oh stop it andrew (laughs) i used to say this guy is half baseball half improv teacher all greatness you know just (laughs) just (laughs) yeah you used to say that all the time and i would say it was confusing (laughs) It was confusing for this me after I said it. This guy's half baseball? 
he's half baseball. Uh, he's like, what is that? That's confusing. It was confusing for everybody. I think a lot of us went through that. Um, well, hey, I have one final question for you, and then I'll free you back into the uh, the life that you're. That yeah. You're, so, are, uh, and this is a baseball question. Are you a San Francisco Giants fan then, since you were a base, uh, California person? Yes. Oh, you are. So, yeah, I, I grew up in San Diego, like I said. Yeah. So my dad is a Padres fan. And I, I like the Padres and growing up I did, but I, I, I went to a lot of Padres games, but I, I always had this like stupid, like I gotta be rebellious from my dad ah. kind of thing when it came or like make him upset or things like that. So I never <laughs> really like rooted hard for the Padres. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, in like high school, I stopped paying attention to baseball. I didn't really care about it. And that lasted through like most of college. Oh, uh, I moved to San Francisco for college. Okay. And um, uh, then I made some good friends kind of my last year of college who grew up in the Bay Area and were big Giants fans. And so then I kind of started getting back into baseball with them I, via them. Uh, yeah. I and see. Giants fan. And then you yeah. became a Giants fan. And was did your dad resentful towards that? Was he like, Not was really. Rebellious? I think it's kind of like. I think we both kind of think it's fun in a way. And also like, I like the Padres now a little bit too. Like, I think that there's something like nostalgic now that I, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Padres and I like follow them following them. And also like, they're really weird and good right now in a fun way. Uh, um, so yeah. Yeah. I can you know slightly relate to that. Like uh, it's just in a different way. Like my dad was such a diehard Mets fan and such a diehard, uh, like actually when it came to, like, I don't watch football zero. I've never seen a football game really like, like besides with my friends. I don't know. I've watched baseball games on my own because when I was in San Francisco, I went to a few of the Giants games and stuff, but, um, uh, he, you know, he used to be like, like my, my younger brother was into sports and he'd be like, I'm going to start rooting for the Giants instead of the Jets, like in the football framework. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he'd be like, then you can get the fuck out of the house. Like, you're not my son. Like it really meant, it really like annoyed him. Like it was, sure. it was like, it was like, uh. Yeah, so it's just <laughs> I I never even towed that line. I never even rocked the boat because I, I he like I said the guy was nuts. He was posting he was he was putting images all over the garage of, of his of his uh, you know his uh, competitive teams failing. So you can't really argue with a guy like that. But um, yeah, I can uh, I can totally relate. And uh, and I, I like baseball. I'll just say this as a non sports fan. Even though like I said I grew up in kind of a sports house, I was kind of like the like the artsy kid like doing like twirls in the kitchen and stuff like that. And be like forget sports, you know. Um, right. But. I, I will say that I like baseball because and I hope you don't find this to be, be offensive since you have a baseball podcast. I like it because you don't really have to pay attention the whole time. You can, I, I, <laughs> I don't find I, I think that you're right on about that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, our baseball podcast is like this sport is boring. Like we but we like it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, um, the the. the the most exciting Expl- podcast yeah. about the most boring sport. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it, yeah, it, it uh, that is part of the fun of it is like, you can throw it on at home and like tune in and out. If you go to a game, like you can be kind of half in half out. Yep. Um, and that's, I think part of the fun of it. Exactly. It's, it's like almost the same as going to a bar with your friends, but there's a baseball game going on. And like the people, the people that want to just sit and watch the game, like, well, they can do that. We're at a baseball game. But if, but, right. but if you don't want to do that, like, that's okay. We're at a baseball game. You know, I like. Yeah, that. absolutely. That, that kind of brings me joy. So. All right, Joey. Well, I won't use up any more of your time. I really I have. Appreciate- I have one more thing, Andrew. No, please. And- of course. I mean, I'm no, just, I have okay. all the time in the world. Please. Yeah, I know. Me too. Honestly, <laughs> we can. And, and like we're going to you. You can cut this from the episode. No, I probably. <laughs> like, I, I, Every pot, every ep. This is the fact. 
every episode that I've done so far, this is like only my seventh one, has when I tried to end it, the guest said, Hey, I have one more thing, and you can cut this if you want. It's happened every single time. And then and I And do you have you cut it? I have not cut it yet. No. All right. Well, here's here I have a pitch for you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you I feel like I've been hard on like the improv scene and the future of it and things like that today. Yeah. So maybe it'd be like fun to like end on something a little bit like, you know, nice about it. Sure. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Do you, do you want to do a scene together? Oh my God. Yes, I do. My heart would melt. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, right, I'm, I'm actually, one. I'm getting nervous though. We're, we're going to do it now. No, we're going to have fun. I have not done it. Im- yeah. We're going to do it now. Okay. Uh, we're going to yeah. do it right now. Okay. I have not done improv in months. Yeah. I don't know if you have, but like nope. we're gonna this this might not be good, which is why I am saying you can cut it out. Of the <laughs> At the very uh, least, it'll be a fun scene. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, I'll generate a random word here. Okay. okay I'm on. I'm, random, I want you to know I'm, on, I'm nervous, but let's do it. We're gonna have a good time. Okay. I'm on randomwordgenerator.com. Oh my god. Shout out to them. Nice, great. Yeah, the people that run that fine website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, oh, yeah. They're in a big office complex in Salesforce <laughs> building in San Francisco running that. Um, we we love you, randomwordgenerator.com. Randomwordgenerator.com. Hey, RWG to the fans, you know? We're going disrupt, to um, disrupt the word generation world. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, your suggestion is, oh, okay, um, cross. Oh man, or our suggestion. That's our suggestion. That's our so cross. Cross. Hey man, uh, this light has been red for like fifteen minutes. Do I you think, know. You we, think we should? You're saying that we should go? Should we just break the law and just go anyway? I'm not sure. If we should. I don't know. I mean, I know there's no cars coming, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean. Well, you know, like the law is the law, right? Yeah, I've I've always prided myself on being a law-abiding citizen. I've I've never broken a law before. Have you? No, never once, not once. We we've never broken the law collectively together. I don't think so. Name oh. a law. Uh, have 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 you ever um not paid a parking ticket? Have you ever gotten a parking ticket? Paid? I've never even gotten one. I mean, that getting a parking ticket would be breaking the law, right? Right, which I've never done. And neither have never you. gotten one. Never gotten a speeding ticket. You ever been arrested? Never been arrested. Never been charged with a crime, indicted, or anything like that? I've never been charged with anything, no. Have you ever willingly broke the law but not been caught? I mean, not that I'm aware of. I, I know I embezzled money from my company, but... Wait. I'm, I wasn't charged for it. You, you embezzled money from your company? Well, yeah, of course. I needed money, and my company had money. But, but we can't cross the street, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Joey, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of now. I'm, I'm worried to cross the street because you, you, you do break laws. What? I needed money. I owned the company, but I took the money. It's yeah. I, I mean, you're right. I did say the word embezzle. Yeah, which. I guess maybe means that I did know that I did something wrong. Embezzling is, I mean, that's breaking the law. Uh, so if, by your logic, if we cross the street, I mean, you don't even, it doesn't matter if we get caught or not. You're okay with the action of, of, of breaking the law. Oh, look, Andrew, you're, you're not going to tell anybody about this, right? I don't know. I, I, I mean, what did you do with the money? I, I invested in the dark web. <laughs> 
The dark web. The, the dark web in itself as a structure is against the law, Joey. What? Yeah, I mean, the people use the dark no. web to, to, to buy drugs and to get uh, sex trafficking. and Yeah, it seemed like a good kind of, like, I don't know, I could get in on the ground floor. I, uh, did you fund terrorism? <laughs> I don't know. I, I remember giving a bunch of money to something called Silk Road. No, Joey. <laughs> what? I, I, you, it sounds nice. Silk Road, they were... <laughs> They they were the ones involved with, with with with, with tra- sex trafficking and and terror and, and Al Qaeda and 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 they were funneling they they they, they, they were responsible for 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 bombings. No, but I well, all I did was give them money though. I mean, that's not illegal, right? I think it is if you stole stole stole. The Can money. we talk? This is you know what's crazy. What this light is still red. <laughs> I I know some there's something wrong with our society. <laughs> and scene was that okay wow really good <laughs> really good a really good scene a plus that was the magic firecracker scene that i was talking about earlier hey as i said to all of my student scenes fun scene fun choice andrew <laughs> oh, no, th- thank you joey I, I i i uh i was really actually quite nervous to do that and uh fun choice you made a really fun choice <laughs> Well, thanks for doing that, man. I, I actually really, I, I really, I'm, no, I'm, it was I'm, very fun. I'm going to leave it in. And okay, um, good. It was, it was fun. I had a good time. I, uh, as soon as we started doing it, I was like, wow, I don't remember anything about how you're supposed to do this, but that's, that's yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. And like, I same here. Not, I didn't, not that I didn't remember anything, but like, <laughs> it is, it is a muscle that like you, if you don't do it for a little while, you, you, you get a little rusty. Yeah. To everybody, every single person. I agree, but. Hey man, uh, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for coming on the show, and uh, I'll uh, I'll talk to you hopefully every day from now on out. From here on out, yeah, we're best friends now, Andrew. Yeah, we are. We'll do another one of those every day. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> All right, call you in the morning. Bye. <laughs> See you, dude. All right, everybody, that was Joey Price. Thank you to my guest, Joey Price, for coming on the Real People Podcast. I'll see you next week. Stay positive, okay? It's all going to be all right. Cheers. Cheers.